Before we get started, I just wanted to let you guys know we are available on iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and now Google Podcasts. If you know anybody who's into the same weird shit you are and love podcasts, send them our way and do us a solid. And don't forget to leave a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. Hello, guys, and welcome to another episode of What Even Is This Place podcast. This is episode 18, and this time I'm sure of the numbers and where I'm at on this planet. <laughs> so uh, today I'm going to be talking about an unsolved murder. Well, I'm going to say quotes. I'll get to that later. An unsolved murder. Um, and as far as I know, it's still an open case. It's from 2004 of the Northern California area uh, of a man named Andre Louis Hicks. I don't know if it's Louis or Louis, so forgive me for mispronouncing. If that sounds familiar, you may be from the West Coast. Yes, none other than Mac motherfucking Dre. I was in high school during the peak of the hyphy movement. I remember how much joy and how much fun the movement and his music brought to people all over, but especially in Northern California. For those who don't know, hyphy was a term coined by rapper Keek the Sneak, and Mac Dre became the undisputed king of the hyphy movement. Ah, so nostalgic. Memories of the tallest tees of life, stunner shades, biz pills, sideshows. <laughs> but the movement was about much more than that. It promoted just having fun and quote-unquote getting stupid. It really brought people of all kinds together. It was just about freedom. So I realize now as a 32-year-old, I had no idea what actually happened in Mac Dre's murder. All I knew is that it was a tragic mystery. So I decided I wanted to pay a little homage to one of my most favorite and the best underground rappers of all time and dig a little deeper. So let's get into it. His early life and career, Mac Dre was born Andre Louis Hicks on July 5th, 1970, making him a cancer. He was born in Oakland, California to parents Ellen Hicks and Wanda Salvato. The family later moved to Vallejo, California, or Valley Joe, as he called it, where he went to Valley Joe's. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Vallejo's <laughs> Hogan High School and wrote and performed his first major song, Too Hard for the Fucking Radio. He actually performed it at his high school's talent show, which is iconic. Later, that song would become his first major single in 1989 on a cassette tape. He grew up in the neighborhood known as The Crest, where he spent most of his early and teen life. At the beginning of his rap career, Andre Hicks originally went by the name of MC Dre in 1984. But later he altered it to Mac Dre because he just saw it sounded more West Coast and MC Dre sounded a little bit too East Coast. In interviews, he said his childhood was pretty normal, but it had its trials and tribulations. He was jumped into the gang and he got picked on a lot because I think people were super jealous of him. He just had this unique 
swag about him and it, there wasn't a lot in that time period the way he rapped it wasn't really um a thing at that time he was just very magnetic so like anybody who's magnetic charismatic um he had people were jealous he formed close friendships and did find himself in the drug scene at an early age and was very much involved with the street life the friends from the crest neighborhood called themselves quote the romper room crew the name was inspired by a 1950s kid show called the romper room The crew consisted of many underground rappers well-known to Northern California rap fans. Interviews with Jay Diggs on Vlad TV delves into the crew's activities, how those crimes related to Mac Dre's career, and what transpired before Mac Dre's death. Basically, Mac J's career was funded by a slew of robberies done by the crew that occurred in the Bay Area in the early 90s. It wasn't long before they were on the radar of authorities. The crimes were dubbed, quote, the pizza robberies by media, and now the crew is being referred to as the Romper Room Gang. Diggs stated in Vlad interviews, Mac Dre did know about the robberies, but he did not participate. The crew really wanted, quote, Dre to stay out the way. While they committed the robberies and they used the money to start the record label, record label, can I speak? Romp Records, now known as Thiz ENT. They were owned by both Jay Diggs' cousin and Mac Dre. Although the romper crew was insistent that they, did, that they do the dirt, Mac Dre found himself caught up. It started with pizza robberies, then escalated to the bank robberies. Tensions were high between police and the crew during that period of time. As there were many high-speed chases, in one example, things got a little out of control during a getaway of one of the robberies. One of the crew members actually shot at police, along with other various incidents. All in all, the FBI stated the crew was connected to 47 bank robberies. The robberies were featured on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries on March 4, 1992, that alluded to the romper room crew being connected. At this time, there was only circumstantial evidence, but there was most definitely a case being built against the members. One month later, after that episode aired, Mac Dre was sent to jail along with a few other members of the crew. They had pulled up to commit a bank robbery. They noticed something off, and there was a news van that kind of made them feel uneasy. It was said, though, that Mac Dre wasn't even in the car at that time. While other crew members were about to pursue the robbery, they decided to cancel the robbery following their gut instinct. It seems the media had been tipped off, therefore blowing a sting operation set up by authorities at that time. So, before police could catch them in the act, the crew had headed back to a hotel to pick up Mac Dre. The crew split up, one in a stolen car, Mac Dre and Diggs and his cousin in the other car. According to the Vlad TV interviews with Jay Diggs, they had noticed a certain agent that's been on the case near them on the freeway, which was a huge red flag because they were towns away at that moment. So everyone in the car felt uneasy. All the fed cars being in closing in on them popping out of nowhere. One of the crew members, Corey, who was gone in the other car, had been wearing a wire and set them up, working with the police for the sting the entire time. Diggs ended up doing 10 years. Kilo, which was Diggs' cousin, did eight years, and Do Mac Dre <laughs> said Dr. Dre. Wrong Dre. 
and Mac Dre six years for conspiracy to commit robbery. I will note that this was the first time that a rapper's lyrics was used against them in court, so I thought that was interesting. Although the crime wasn't actually committed, there was evidence in the car like ski masks upon contact with Mac Dre, Kilo, and Diggs, along with other case evidence connecting the crew to a lot of other robberies and much help from Corey wearing the wire. The crew did their time, and when they had all been released, Mac Dre's career was in full swing. While in jail, he continued to build a fan base and even released a song from jail through a jail phone, one of my favorites. I'm in motion. That's what it was called. And that was from the Back in the Hood EP. So if you don't know, because I had to look it up, EP stands for Extended Play, which basically means it's longer than a single but shorter than an album. It was recorded live from the Fresno County Jail and USP Lompoc over the phone. The lyrics are about life in Fresno County Jail and about himself in the early life. Again, super iconic. I think I, when I looked it up, there was about six songs on the EP. Once he was out, he kept doing his thing with the crew and released a few CDs. The rapper evolved and decided to switch his style from gangster rap to more party music, and that's where he began to link up with many other rappers well-known in the Bay Area. The whole Bay really got cracking with the help of the DVDs called Trill TV, and as a 15-year-old, I totally remember watching it. Um, it was just, it helped him create a cult following even further. It was basically just clips of him being himself, anywhere from corner stores to shows. Um, that really helped boost his image and gain popularity in the Bay Area. Uh, and you know what? I just had a memory. I totally had a Mac Dre shirt that I like cut it and made it a belly shirt. <laughs> if you went to high school with me, you probably remember me wearing it. Um, everyone got to see who Mac J really was with his unique style and his energy. The crew had begun doing shows all over from Vegas to Hawaii to Portland and had many connections in Kansas City, which is said where they spent a lot of time. Before his death, Mac Dre was involved with over 59 different projects, including albums, collabs, and of course, Trill TV content since the year 1993 to 2004, I guess. So this part confused me because he had things coming out all the way until 2008. Um, but I do know sometimes things are released after people pass. So that's probably what happened. Okay. So the murder on November 3rd, the majority of the crew had traveled to do a show in Kansas city. And actually I think they were there November 1st. Um, there's so much resources out there and some of them had conflicting information. So one of the, the articles I read said November 3rd, but it, another article said that they had been there November 1st. So a couple days before the show, and it appeared allegedly that some shit popped off, uh, something about drug dealers. Um, again, this case was kind of hard to put together because I couldn't find any actual police documents except for what was printed in newspaper articles. And I'll get into it a little bit more, but there's so many theories and conflicting stories. And it just seems like a lot of a game of telephone. And he said, she said, Okay, so regardless of the date, it was somewhere around November 1st through 3rd that they were in Kansas City. They performed on November 3rd. After the show, a car pulls up and open fires on Mac Dre. And the car, 
man, this is okay. I'm going to read an article in a second, but he was pronounced dead at just 34 years old on November 4th, 2004 at around 3:30 AM after being ejected from the vehicle. But police stated he did in fact die from a gunshot wound. He is now buried at Mountain View Cemetery in Oakland, California. So a little bit of facts from what I could find. Um, so in an article from billboard.com, officers on the scene of the crime speculated road rage, but the article doesn't state any evidence as to why they believed that. So three more killings actually connected to Mac Dre's murder happened afterwards. Um, and I'll read this article by San Francisco Gate. I'll kind of just sum it up. So let's see. I just thought this, it just goes on. There's so many connections to his case. So, according to San Francisco Gate, one second, thank you, um, bearing with me, appreciate it, for some reason, the article started all the way at the bottom, okay, so San Francisco Gate, Vallejo rapper Andre Mac Dre Hicks wasn't on TV, wasn't on MTV, on magazine covers, or in movies. But his clever, hardcore rhymes had an underground following, and when he was killed on the Kansas City freeway last November, hip-hop radio stations mourned him at length. Mac Dre was big enough for that. Police investigators say Hicks, 34, was shot, with, shot in a financial dispute, but the rumor mail said something else, something sexier, they said. I don't know why they used that word. That a West-Midwest rap war had flared out at, that a notorious Kansas City rapper dubbed Fat Tone had taken out Hicks. Okay, so I will get into this more later, but I do see why they use the word sexier because this case gave me a lot of Biggie and Tupac vibes and where the media kind of fans the flames and creates this narrative for whatever reason, for to sell papers, um, most likely. Six months later, police say a San Francisco rapper promoter named Mac Minister and a friend avenged Hicks in a Las Vegas parking lot by firing 33 assault rifle rounds into Kansas City two Kansas City men including Fat Tone. So the two San Francisco men were indicted on murder charges earlier this month and 2 days later a 21-year-old call girl which I don't think that's the right term these days sex worker a 21-year-old sex worker who was in Las Vegas with them turned up dead in Fairfield shot in the head. So it just goes on to say, the violent story pieced together through interviews and court records reflects the blurry line between rumor and reality of the underground rap world, which I completely agree because, like I said, doing this story, yeah, I, it's, it was just a rabbit hole. I kept getting one. This could be like a five series if I could just only have access to those actual court documents. Um, okay, so... I will read something I found on Twitter from a investigative journalist that recently is on the case, Donald Morrison. So I'm reading directly from his Twitter and I found this super interesting, but unfortunately not surprised. So he says on Twitter, quote, I've spent the past 10 months trying to solve one of the hip hop's biggest mysteries, the 2004 murder of Mac Dre, now using more than 1300 pages of never before seen documents. Oh, if I could just read those. And dozens of interviews that he said the mystery is solved. So this Donald character, this guy, he's saying that after going through the evidence, he solved the damn murder. 
yet no one was charged. So he goes on to tweet a few more things. Quote, Mac Dre was murdered in a hail gunfire while traveling down a Kansas City freeway in 2004. No one was ever arrested and it remains one of hip-hop's biggest mysteries. Another tweet. This one says, last summer I requested all the documents. Oh, my dog's barking. Sorry, what's new? Um, I requested all the documents related to the killing from the Kansas City Police Department. Again, he goes on to state he's given 1,300 pages of case files. Everything from witness to autopsies, photos were included. Okay, so this tweet. I wasn't expecting much when I requested the documents. It's still an open case. I didn't think it was possible that I could be the first journalist to ask for these records. I was still in my last year of school. Then he goes on to say, where's the important one? Okay. When I got them, I read all 1,300 pages in a weekend and quickly realized that police had nearly solved this case more than a decade ago, but nobody was ever arrested. And then he goes on to state, the story has more twists and turns than a spy movie, including Casey, drug kingpins, and at least three retaliation murders. Much of it has never been reported on until now. So back to my point, when I chose this, I wasn't even... Just like him, I was not expecting there to be so many connections and, you know, that I feel like this happens a lot um, where we have cases that have to do with rappers, Biggie and Tupac, for example. I mean, the, the answer is out there and it's in there. He stated it. He went through the documents. So it leads you to the question. And this is why people become, quote unquote, conspiracy theorists is why was nobody ever arrested if the answers are in there? That I mean, I know the answer to that question, but this is why I'm so curious and I want to I want to explore these cuz it's not right. Like these families deserve justice. It doesn't matter what neighborhood, what color, um what part of the United States or world, like it's just a tragedy when there's nobody arrested but the evidence is right there. So that's what leads me to believe there's some kind of cover up for sure. Now, I'll get into the main theories found online. Theory one, this is where the questions and conspiracies come to play. As soon as Mac Dre had passed, rumors flew that another rapper named Fat Tone was connected, as I already stated, to the murder. Um, Again, it reminded me of Biggie and Tupac, the old West Coast, East Coast versus type shit. Mac Dre's case is eerily similar, and it seemed to be this made-up beef between the two rappers. So I already went into this, but Fat Tone gets killed, um, allegedly connected to Mac, someone connected to Mac Dre, allegedly um, kills Fat Tone for the purpose. We went over that. So now I watched all the Vlad TV interviews with Jay Diggs, and he goes into much more detail. So if you're interested, you can go look that up. It's Vlad, V-L-A-D TV. That's where I got most of my sources. Um, but Jay Diggs himself actually states he doesn't believe Fat Tone had anything to do with it. And it seems like so much more happened after Mac Dre's death. Uh, for example, Tech 9 somehow was lumped in with this drama. And he wasn't even able to go to the Bay Area for shows after this. So a lot more drama. Like I, like I said, the three more homicides connected to Mac Dre's death. It just is a fucking mess. Okay, theory two. Mac Dre was rumored to have gotten into an altercation after the show with the club promoter, and some speculate maybe the club promoter had something to do with it. These are just theories, remember. 
Theory three, the driver that was driving Mac Dre home after the show that night in Kansas City was known to be involved in drug activity and the hit was for him and he was ambushed by a rival, but it ended up killing Mac Dre. Okay, so my own theory, I kind of touched on it a little bit. I will say that there's clearly no evidence of why I believe this. It's just my what my gut feeling, my intuition, just something. I mean, it doesn't take a freaking rocket scientist to, to see that there was some kind of cover up. Something's going on. Okay. So this is why I'm like, Hmm, my brain starts going. So again, this is all my own speculation. Um, it is my opinion and very much appears that he was a target of course. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say of police like, or authorities higher up. Much like many rappers at the time, he was well known to speak out on police brutality and the injustices he saw in day-to-day black neighborhoods. It just really has the energy of a cover-up. And it's so easy to pin rappers' deaths on other rappers. It's a story that to most is highly believable. Again, think Biggie and Tupac. We all know by now that the power of the media can have this way of influencing and, and make people think, you know, like for an agenda. There are so many theories about what led to Mac Dre's demise. So again, this is my opinion. Considering what we know about the past behavior of police forces at that time in the 80s, shit, before that, but especially it was heightened, I feel like, in the um, late 70s and the 80s and early 90s. Just based off what we know, whether it's a cover-up or just lazy police work or bureaus like the FBI that hold a bigger agenda, it's a reason to take a powerful individual out like Mac Dre. I mean, his energy really captivated people um, he, and he stood for something. It wasn't, and it's not like, um, this is, it's hard to explain, but I feel like his energy kind of gave people permission to express themselves and be themselves and authority figures and authority don't like that. It wasn't in alignment with the orthodox system at the time. So to me, it's possible there had been a hit on Mac Dre specifically by someone very high up, and it may necessarily not be a drug lord, which is also believable. I will say that. Um, Whoever it was, there was a cover-up. There was an agenda. At the time, he was the king of the hyphy movement. By the early 2000s, it was fun for young adults and a way of expressing themselves, being free, like I mentioned. It kind of reminds me of the history of the jazz movement in the 1920s. Um, you should look into that, but it has a it has an eerily similar energy, which history repeats itself, right? But police and majority of the residents in the Bay were not such a fan. I mean, it was straight up havoc. I'll give them that from ghostwriting to sideshows, just people out of control and usually high as fuck on this pills. Which this pills, I feel like is very connected to like, that's another theory, um, a strong theory, which that goes hand in hand with the drug theory. And a whole other segment could be probably made on that um, this pill industry alone. <coughs> Excuse me. So I will read this article that lends credence to the this pill theory. And it is. Let's see. So I, I just happened to find this last minute. So it's from revealnews.org. Getting down to business, a look back at the hyphy movement is the name of the article. Quote, the people 
the multiple arrests last year and alleged national drug ring marked an infamous milestone for San Francisco Bay Area success story. This entertainment, once the purveyor of the Bay's trademark hyphy music, used the famous local label to sell ecstasy along with cocaine, pot, and heroin across the U.S., according to federal authorities. So there you go. There's a reason to take him out. Slang for hyperactive, hyphy refers to hip-hop characterized by fast-paced rhymes, big bass, and frenzy beats and dancing. <laughs> I swear this reminds me of the jazz movement. This is the way that newspapers would write about the uprising of young Americans, black, white, Latina, all the all the things that were rising up that loved jazz music and frenzy beats and dancing. <laughs> so the article goes on to state, the music glorified the use of MDMA or Molly, which it did, and the term Thiz used to describe the drug's euphoric effects was coined by none other than the founder of Thiz Entertainment, Rapper, Rapper, why did I just say it like that? Rapper, Andre Hicks, aka Mac Dre. Hyphy hit its stride in the mid-2000s, and for a moment, the nation was paying attention. Thiz's roster and other local rap, rap groups began making deals with major labels, Pay attention to this part. I thought it was interesting. But Virgin Records and Warner Bros. weren't the only ones catching wind of the flamboyant imprint. By tapping into the popularity of ecstasy and its song lyrics, this also captured the attention of federal authorities. And the drug business that was intended to finance Hyphy's future ultimately led to its downfall. And I'm going to stop there. But I mean, there you go. I agree. It did ultimately lead to the downfall. Um... Like I said, there's many theories and I don't know how true I need documentation, but I just wanted to kind of revisit this and find out what really happened. And turns out that I have more questions than actual answers. If I could somehow get my pause on those documents from Kansas City from the actual crime scene, I'm sure I could figure it out. And um, so, you know. With the influx of the ecstasy pills caught with God knows what flooding Northern California, I don't know. Maybe the feds were pissed. They weren't making money from this new kind of drug that was now being manufactured all over. It was, like I said, out of control. Um, what's something the higher-up authorities absolutely cannot stand? Citizens being out of control and not getting their cut. Just one big-ass mafia, in my opinion. So I wouldn't put it past somebody higher up to order a hit on Mac Dre because you have to remember the whole Bay and I'm sure more um, people were in a state of mourning, you know, and what's one way I, I mean, Martin Luther King just popped in my head. Um, he was gaining, it's obviously way different. Like I'm not comparing Mac Dre to Martin Luther King, but it's a similar um energy, I suppose. Like you have somebody who's very with the charismatic and has this kind of following and authorities never, ever, ever in the history of America like that. And honestly, do y'all remember the crack epidemic in the eighties in New York? It's common knowledge these days that the feds absolutely introduced crack to black neighborhoods to tear apart families. That's, that's just like facts. You can research that yourself. So to me, nothing is too far-fetched. If you've been paying attention, nothing is impossible. And I sure don't put it past whatever powerful branch wanted to take out someone like Mac Dre, who had a ton of charisma, again, influence over the people. To me, that's a motive if I ever saw one. Again, this is just my theory, but there is a lot of credence to um, this is somehow connected to Thiz Pills and 
I do not think it was a rivalry with Big Tone or the promoter. I do think this is about something much deeper and maybe the public will never really know. But all I can really say is people know something wasn't right about it. I do think there's much more to the murder. Um, I mean, this honestly reminds me of similar to the murder of JFK and again, Martin Luther King and the suspicious death of Marilyn Monroe. Like there's powerful people who will and can and do have the means to take out certain individuals if they really want to. Um, So I hope that Donald Morrison, like stay safe, brother, because I don't know if he'll ever publish any of these. I actually did find him on Facebook and just shoot, shooted my shot. Is that the term? Shot my shit (laughs) to see if he like would share anything because I'm I am definitely not like a technical private investigator, but it would be really, really interesting to go through any case files and and solve any of these unsolved high profile murders. I just hope that his mother and family are at peace and resting abundantly in his legacy. There is a day dedicated to him referred as Mac Dre Day, and it's on July 5th. So, oh, and I will say too, I thought it was cool. She now owns, I'm not sure if it's just half, if J Diggs' cousin owns half of the entertainment record still, um, record label, or if it's Dre's mom, but she now owns part, if not all of this records. So I hope at the very least they're, she's comfortable and their family's taken care of. Uh, well, thanks so much for riding this nostalgic wave with me. And I hope I taught you something new if you didn't know about this. Um, again, I think this is relatable. We've seen these types of cases multiple times and it always surrounds It's always mystery. It surrounds rappers and media. I feel like always has their nose in this shit. So if there's any future updates, of course, I'll keep you posted. And with that, I'll leave you with the sweet serenade sound of the Mac himself. Caddies keep on dipping. Well, I must be tripping. I'm in the old school pie flipping, selling them high jipping, tending to my pimping. Time slipping, late, I'm on my way. Not enough hours in the day to be Dre. I'm El Presidente. I run things, tote gun things, and never run from things. Brave heart, but I'm not Mel Gibson. I'm dope like coke that was cooked in the kitchen. Dabbing revolution, stabbing, and I'm goosing. Mini me laptops, mini beats that knock. Lots of hemp, lobster, not shrimp. Big perms, maybe a pimp's on, baby. Always shopping, no more hall mopping. Hella nikes with Gucci, hella nice with coochie. Tell baby, play cash, but we frilling. Ghost on them, after your host on them. She a team player, I play coach on them. Like a doobie in a jerk, play roach on them. Won't spoke on them, if it ain't da-la-la-la-la-la-la. Lots of notes on them, C-status. Won't holler till it's G-status. I'm cut though, three C-savage. Whatever me want, me have it, see me lavish. Yo, trash might be cash, give me that bitch. Like Lil Mama in labor, I push puss. That's real talk, all it's real talk, cuz, cuz. Rather fucking cut. One jig, all now, bitch, wasn't enough. And to this day, won't love, won't get paid. And for you, hear a song like a bitch. Say, say, say.